Welcome back, Warriors, Tansei, Sego, Anibuju, Kuei Ninda Luizi, Pam Palmeter, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, laws, and governing practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And I am still on cloud nine over celebrating my 100th episode of the Warrior Life podcast. Thank you to everyone who sent kind words of support and congratulatory messages. It really is a group effort between all the warriors who share their stories on my podcast and all the listeners who take the time to learn and act on what they've heard. So thanks again for all of your support and your financial support as well. It really helps keep this podcast going because like I said, this podcast is 100% listener supported through Patreon and t-shirt sales, which helps keep my content entirely independent. You can always access my clothing store and Patreon account through my website, pampometer.com, or I always post the links in the description box below. And as a heads up this fall, I'll be accepting applications from Indigenous artists, businesses and organizations, as well as allies who want to support Native media and who would like to consider sponsoring individual podcast episodes. So keep a lookout for that. And if you're interested in the meantime, just contact me on my website. As I explained in my last podcast, in response to listener requests, I've decided to upload the Reconciliation Book Club series that I originally started on YouTube to cover off the summer vacation period. Each week this summer, I will be doing a review of different books written by Native authors and allies on important issues. Last week we did Whose Land Is It Anyway? A Manual for Decolonization, and this week we're reviewing Karen Stoats, An Act of Genocide. Just like last week, the audio still has a bit of an echo, and I've tried to clean it up the best I can, but it's from my much earlier YouTube days, and I didn't quite have the best audio uh, at that time. But without further ado, let's get into the review. Welcome back, everybody, to the Reconciliation Book Club. And if this is your first time here, please consider subscribing. Today, we're going to be reviewing a book that talks about a very critical issue here in Canada, and that is the forced and coerced sterilization of Indigenous women and girls in the past, but also as an ongoing act of genocide. It's also something that the United Nations considers a form of torture. So today's book is by Karen Stote. It's called An Act of Genocide, Colonialism and the Sterilization of Aboriginal Women. And it's published by Fernwood Publishing. And thank you to Fernwood for offering the 25% discount to all Reconciliation Book Club members until the end of this month. That's a really important contribution to reconciliation. Now about the book, Obviously, it's published by Fernwood Publishing. They, uh, their slogan is, they're critical books for critical thinkers. And I think the reason why that slogan is very appropriate is because they publish a lot of Indigenous authors and they do a lot of books on social justice and earth justice, activism and resistance in general. Um, the book itself is available online. You can get it direct through Fernwood Publishing or you can go on to online forums like Chapters or Amazon, for example. It's available in hard copy like this, a uh, paperback or you can get it as an ebook uh, for any of your various readers. Mm-hmm. 
Now the author is Karen Stowe, and she describes herself as a settler that has English, Scottish, and Irish roots, and she grew up in New Brunswick on Woolastook and Mi'kma'ki territory. Now she completed her PhD on this very subject in interdisciplinary studies at the University of New Brunswick. And in fact, in terms of full disclosure, I was the external reviewer on her thesis and it, I was just blown away by her research and writing and I really strongly encouraged her to turn that thesis into a book. So I am so glad that that's exactly what she did. Now today, Karen works as an assistant professor at Sir Wilfrid Laurier University and she actually teaches courses in reproductive justice. So she's considered an expert in Canada on the issue of forced and coerced sterilization and reproductive justice in general. And I think it's important to know the background of the authors of different books, especially academic books like this one, to know what is their area of expertise, are they considered an expert, is in that subject matter because that helps us as readers uh, place the author and know what kind of weight we can put in this book. And in fact, she appeared before a House of Commons Standing Committee on Health on specifically the issue of forced and coerced sterilizations and made numerous recommendations about what Canada should be doing, some of them including to investigate what's been happening and what's ongoing in terms of forced and coerced sterilization. Okay, so now let's move on to the structure of the book. Um, it's 200 pages, however, when you take out the references, it's about 165 pages of the actual text. It's divided into five individual chapters, but each of those chapters has between three and five or six individual subsections. Now, it is written in an academic style, so there are lots of citations and there's a list of references because what Karen does is she actually documents all of the history, all of the facts and all of the statistics in a way that we could go through this book and if we wanted more information we could just follow those citations. And given the subject matter of forced and coerced sterilization and the fact that it's an ongoing issue, it was raised in the National Inquiry uh, for Murder to Missing Indigenous Women and Girls, it was studied by a Parliamentary House Committee, there's ongoing litigation. I think this subject really benefits from an academic style book given the fact that it provides all of the evidence that you need to make the case. Now what she does is she starts out in her first chapter by talking to us about the very troubled history of feminism um, and specifically with regards to feminists, some of the famous five in fact, who were involved in supporting the forced uh, sterilization of Indigenous women and girls. From there, she moves on into her second chapter to talk about Indian policy, to really give us you know, the context to understand where is this forced and coerced sterilization coming from. And it really comes from you know, the overall objective that uh, Canadian governments had to get rid of what they called the so-called Indian problem. Now her third chapter is very important because it talks about the actual forced and coerced sterilizations and how much federal and provincial governments knew in this country, how much hospitals knew about exactly what was happening, but more than that, 
Uh, she also talks about coercive abortions, uh, birth control, the apprehension of Indigenous uh, children from their mothers. So it's really looking at, you know, the colonized uh, form of reproductive control over Indigenous women and girls and shows how very targeted those genocidal policies were against Indigenous women. Now her fourth chapter is also really important because she looks at Canada's history of litigation. So situations where Indigenous women have tried to seek justice for the violence that was committed against them with forced and coerced sterilizations and all of the problems that are inherent in um, the litigation system and settlements and you know Canada's obsession with trying to insulate itself from liability. Now her fifth and final chapter is one that caught my attention years ago because it focuses very pointedly at the history of genocide, the crime of genocide, how it came to be, Canada's role in that, what gets considered genocide, what doesn't, how you can bring claims, and all of the barriers that Indigenous people have to bringing claims or getting the crime of genocide answered in a country like Canada. And it should be no surprise then to learn that in that chapter that Canada has gone to great lengths to shield itself from any form of liability in this regard. Before I move on to my overall impression of the book, I thought it would be nice for all the Reconciliation Book Club members to actually get to hear from the author herself. So I'm going to show you a little clip of an interview that I did with Karen Stoat to talk about why did she write this book, what made her pick this topic, and what she considers to be the most important messages from her book. Thank you, Karen Stout, so much for taking the time to come on to my new YouTube series, The Reconciliation Book Club. I was so excited to do your book. Um, I, first of all, it was a great honor to be your external thesis supervisor when you did your PhD work on this. And I mean, it was that was incredible, groundbreaking work at the time. And I'm even more excited that you were able to put it into a book so that everybody else can um, access your research in a really easy to understand way because it is such important research. And, and I really want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, you were calling this genocide long before there was a Truth and Reconciliation Commissioner, a National Inquiry. And I think it's important that we really look at, you know, the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Oh, thanks for having me, Pam. And I just want to clarify there, the, the Indigenous people who were teaching me were calling this genocide long before, and, and they're the ones who taught me. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that. <laughs> no, and that's yeah. great. And, and, you know, that's why I'm always telling everyone what a great ally you are, because, you know, there's people who um, act like saviors and the ones who know everything. And then there's respectful allies who, you know, do a real knowledge exchange in a respectful, honest uh, way with Indigenous peoples. And you've always come across that way. So thank you uh, for being a respectful ally and, and helping us push our issues forward. Thanks, Pam. Um, so my my first question is, you know, this is a really sensitive topic. So your book here, it's called An Act of Genocide, Colonialism and the Sterilization of Aboriginal Women. That's clearly a very sensitive subject and not one that a lot of people know about. So I'm wondering, what made you choose this topic for your PhD research and ultimately this book? 
Um, well, the research began out of my engagement and uh, learning from Indigenous peoples back when I was an undergrad. Um, and my wanting to somehow be useful and accountable. And this is there was nothing to read on the subject. And so I set off trying to document something that would be of use and accountable to Indigenous people without speaking for them necessarily, because I'm really speaking to... Um, in the book, obviously, I want the work to be useful to Indigenous people, but I'm really trying to speak also to, to Canadians, to the people that, in my life, that I have relationships with. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I'm so glad you did, and I know PhD work is a lot of hard work over many years, and, and uh, I mean, it's, it's clearly a, an important topic, and one that... Um, like I said, not a lot of people knew about. There was some rumblings about, you know, past litigation before, but nothing really that put it all together in one place, you know, not just the history, but, you know, leading us into today. Um, mm. When you were doing your research, was there anything that shocked you or stood out in your research? Oh, I think when I started learning about the history of colonialism, I was generally shocked um, for not knowing and I think there was a bit of anger there, too, that I hadn't been taught these things. And I was only learning about history, my own history, uh, in my early 20s. Um, but specifically in relation to this research, I think something that really hit me, especially in relation to coarse sterilization, is that um, Indigenous peoples, Indigenous women are treated with such violence. And I always wondered, right, so how can you treat people uh, with such violence and deny their humanity in um, in cons consistent ways over years and years, right? Um, as I'm sure you know. Um, and I was also taken aback by um, the words of officials. So I spent a lot of time uh, doing archival research and reading documents uh, out of boxes um, and reading the words of past government officials up until the mid-1970s. And I was taken aback by how how Indigenous people were talked about in very cool and calculated ways, right? Concerns with cost effectiveness instead of concerns with the humanity of people, right? When you're making decisions about their lives. Um, and also that colonialism is uh, personal, right? It's something personal and intimate. It's not just these political discussions or historical injustices, but that Indigenous people carry colonialism with them on their bodies as well. And Course sterilization is something that that of indigenous women is something that made me realize that that it's it's also personal uh, in that way. And I know the women who've been subject to course sterilization certainly carry it with them every day. So, yeah, there's lots of things <laughs> that shock <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and, and and I imagine you fully expect that when people read your book, which they're doing right now for my book club that you, you probably expect that there's going to be a large number of people who probably feel like you shocked that they didn't know this and also shocked at the level of violence. Yeah, and I'm hoping and that at some point we stop being shocked and we start understanding why there's consistently been violence directed towards Indigenous people, right? That we start understanding that colonialism is violence period, right? It's violence against bodies, it's violence against communities, it's violence against the land. And and at some point, I hope we stop being shocked because we understand better where this violence is coming from. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's, a, I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, my last question was, and and you may have just said it, but what is, if there's one thing you want people to get out of this book, 
um, you know, once they read it, there's a lot of facts, a lot of information, a lot of material to digest. But if there is one important fact um, that, or message that you wanted them to get, what would it be? Well, in, in terms of an important message, and especially with um, recent media stories about course sterilization, um, I, I really do want people to understand that course sterilization isn't just a, a piece of our dark history, right, or a one-off injustice. Um, and that's something that guided me when I was writing the work, is that it's important to understand course sterilization as one of many policies um, and practices, even though they're not explicit policies that have been imposed on Indigenous people in Canada. Um, and hopefully that people start learning their history, right? My my work was part of me learning my history from Indigenous people, and I hope people go from there uh, and continue learning their history because there's so much work that needs to be done. Um, and that people start understanding that, um, as I said, colonialism is violence, but I can't tell you how many times when I talk about these issues with Canadians, who's uh, that's the audience that I generally talk to, and they respond with shock, um, and they respond with wanting to help Aboriginal people um, without understanding that they're part of the problem, so to speak, in terms of Canadian way of life, capitalism is part of the problem and what leads to colonialism. And you can't help Indigenous people and you can't address colonialism without also taking that look at the way of life that Canadians live that's causing the violence to begin with, right? And so those are the main things that were guiding me uh, as I was writing the work and that I try to talk about as much as possible now. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, and, and so it, what I really like about what you're saying is that this is more than just about learning. It's also about taking action. It's, you know, like, and my book club is not just a book club where we sit around and read books, you know, for entertainment purposes and everybody walks away a little bit wiser. It's really about trying to push people into action and addressing all of the underlying root causes. And so I also want to acknowledge you for for your work. You didn't just do a PhD. You also put it into a book so that to help educate Canadians, but you're also taking action yourself. And and I know you testified before a House of Commons committee on the issue of ongoing forced or coerced sterilization. And that's what I'm talking about, about putting all of this knowledge into action. So thank you so much uh, for doing that. Um, and, and really, you know, taking education and information and putting it into concrete action to try to make a difference, to try to stop all of this. There, there's no thank you needed, Pam, but I, I do hope that people take up those opportunities. There's so much work that needs to be done. And so, right, it's it's the little things in our lives. And I know I spend a lot of time working. I think your book club is great because I was just talking to my mother on the phone the other day, right? <laughs> Trying to get her to get her entire apartment building to have their book club nights. Um, but what that action looks like for um, everybody is different and we all have different skills. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for getting this organized because you've been one of my teachers for a while now. So um, I hope people uh, take up this opportunity in meaningful ways. Yeah. Well, th thank you for contributing your time. I know all of uh, the members of this book club are going to be so excited to hear from you. Um, uh, thank you to your publisher, obviously Fernwood, not just for publishing this great work, but for also supporting your book too, because they've offered a 25% discount for anybody who's reading this book for the book club until the end of August. And thank you, last of all, 
for having awesome. an autographed copy. I feel <laughs> like I have a one-of-a-kind book here, and I hope we can have you back on this series in the future. For sure. Happy to. And thanks to Fernwood, too. That's great news. Thank We're you. very supportive. Yeah. Thanks, Pam. Right. Bye. Bye. Let's just jump right into my review. First of all, I consider this to be an extremely strong book, an important one that many people should be reading and one of the reasons why I included it in this book club. And I appreciate the fact that it's written in an academic style. Now I know that that means that it won't necessarily appeal to all audiences, uh, people who don't necessarily like academic writing or for a younger audience who aren't at that reading level for example, but I think because of the subject matter, it really requires that kind of evidence and research-based writing that is contained in the book. For me, I really appreciate books that aren't just for the sake of knowledge, but books that are knowledge for a particular purpose. Knowledge to teach you a skill so that you can go and do it. Knowledge so that you have information so that will be powerful to use in another format. Knowledge or evidence that you can go and take and use in a courtroom. That you can use to push politicians. It's really about education for action, not just for the sake of knowledge. And I think that's consistent with what Karen says both in her book and in her video that we just watched. To my mind, once people know about this, once people really know about the violence and, and the horrific experiences of Indigenous women and girls in terms of forced and coerced sterilizations or forced abortions um, or the theft of our children uh, into the foster care system, that people will be motivated to act to do something about it, not just to say that they know about it, but to push their politicians, you know, to push policymakers, to push doctors and hospitals and nurses and social workers to do a much better job and to all work together to end this form of genocide. And if there's one message that we get really strong from Karen's book is that we know governments will not stop any of this on their own unless they are pressured to do so. And the kind of pressure that they react most to is pressure from their own citizens, from the people that vote from them, and from ongoing exposure in the media. Because that translates into exposure internationally, that translates into pressure from courts, uh, pressure from United Nations human rights treaty bodies, and from Indigenous women and girls themselves. And that kind of pressure put on in a very forceful and united way, sustained over time, is how we get changes. So to me, the two most important contributions of her book are one, her chapter about forced and coerced sterilizations and how it was broader than that. It really was a control, con colonial control over all of the aspects of Indigenous reproduction. So that includes the forced abortions, that includes um, birth control, um, the theft of our children, and all of the policies and laws around that that allowed that to happen, or going ahead and doing any of that when it was at the time against the law. I think that that's really enlightening, I think it's powerful, and I think it also goes to show just how targeted genocide was 
at indigenous women, that there were very particular methods used against indigenous women uh, to have a sex-based or, or sexualized genocide. And of course that her second contribution is directly related to that and that's her discussion of genocide. And it appears to me that she's having this discussion around genocide because she considers all of this to be a form of genocide. And we now know from the National Inquiry into Murder to Missing Indigenous Women and Girls that they too consider these instances of force and coerced sterilization to be a form of gendered colonization and gendered genocide. So years before we had this National Inquiry, um, Karen had already made the case about genocide and I think this was really good evidence for the National Inquiry to rely on to make its finding as well. I also like the way in which Karen wrote this book overall. She wrote this book as a respectful ally. She made a point of saying that she is not replacing the voices of Indigenous women, she's not speaking for Indigenous women, and she's not putting forward the positions of Indigenous women. And girls. What she's doing is exposing this genocidal practice so that Canadians can assume their role of pushing governments to end it. And she does that with a view to being a respectful ally to Indigenous people, specifically to Indigenous women and girls. And I really respect that and it's another reason why I included her book in this book club because she's a, a really good example of a settler who knows how to work with Indigenous peoples in a respectful way. So when I do book reviews, I always, always try to find uh, a critique, uh, e even if it's a minor critique, because I think people, when they're looking at reviews of books, they want to know what are the pros and cons. And I've done written book reviews where I've done that. Um, some of the book reviews, it's mostly critique. In other book reviews, it's, you know, uh, glowing praise with only minor issues. Now in this this book, I have a problem because my critique of the book is also what I consider a strength. <clears throat> so what I'm talking about here is that it's written in an academic format. And not everybody likes an academic format. It can be heavy at times. There might be some, you know, terms or some history that people uh, don't understand. It might not be as accessible to, say, a younger audience, um, youth who are trying to also learn about this issue. However, I also consider the fact that it is an academic book with references and citations and the evidence to back up all of her assertions to be the strength of the book. It's something, a resource that we get to use as lawyers and activists and policymakers and, um, you know, human rights champions and social justice champions and all of those kinds of positions. We need evidence. Evidence is our ammunition to end things like this in Canada. And so I don't know what that means in terms of a book review. Does it cancel it out? Am I in a neutral position? I mean, it's a, it's a critique, but it's also a strength. So I'm just going to have to leave it there and let you decide whether you lay on the critique side of things or on the strength side of things. At the end of the day, I give this book really high praise. I think she took on an exceptionally difficult topic with 
very difficult access to historical records and I'm sure that that's not a mistake on the part of federal and provincial governments and hospitals and I think it's an important one that contributes to all of the advocacy and the litigation that we're engaged in right now around forced and coerced sterilization. Now, I do have a request. I'm kind of hoping that Karen will do maybe a second updated edition or just a second book altogether that incorporates all of the findings of the National Inquiry into Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women, that incorporates the UN Special Rapporteur uh, on Violence Against Women, its causes and consequences, her report and recommendations around forced and coerced sterilizations, the UN discussions and reports around sterilizations being a form of torture, uh, and of course also the ongoing litigation and the experiences of women uh, who have been subjected to force and coerced sterilization in our times, so in modern times. And I think that, you know, an updated book or maybe a second book would just be fantastic. So hint, hint, Karen. Now let's move on to some of the comments and impressions that people had about Karen's book. But first, I really want to thank you all for participating in this Reconciliation Book Club, for leaving all your questions and comments and impressions, and for really actively engaging. And I also want to thank all of those who haven't left questions or comments yet, but who are actively engaged in this book club, who are reading the books, who are learning as we go along, and who are benefiting from all of the questions and comments of the people that do leave them. So let's get straight to the comments. Valerie says that she found that this book was a bit difficult to read because of the format, but also because of the very difficult content contained in the book. But she also feels that learning about how Indigenous women and girls got to be where they are today to be very enlightening, and I agree with her. Now, Lindsay said that she had a difficult time leaving a comment because she too also found the subject matter to be very difficult. She also found that knowing that her country of Canada is guilty of genocide is also a very difficult issue or fact to deal with. And I appreciate your comments because reconciliation isn't easy and it's not feel good. It's in fact very, very difficult because there's a lot of truth that is yet to be known by Canadians, very difficult truth. And then the path to restoring justice and making amends to Indigenous peoples is also going to be difficult. And all of that has to happen before the reconciliation part. Now, Susan felt anger and frustration that this could happen in Canada, that such atrocities were committed against Indigenous women and girls. And she asked the question, you know, where are all of society's helpers? Where are the social workers on this? Where are the doctors and nurses on this? And to her mind, the silence is deafening. So Aquamarine also left a comment and she says, I think it was a good idea that the author put the specific issue of coerced sterilization in the broader context and with reference to attempting to shrink the indigenous population as a whole, as well as to facilitate the stealing of lands and resources, and ultimately 
that's exactly what the policy objective was. Thank you all for sharing your impressions and your reactions and your feelings in such an open way. Inevitably, everyone else who is a part of this book club will benefit from your feelings and probably share the very same ones. Now, I know that I have started this book club right in the middle. I am dealing with all of the most difficult issues and I'm doing that for a reason. It's because that's where we as Indigenous peoples are right now. We are in the middle of all of this. We're not talking about ancient history. We're talking about people who have suffered from forced and coerced sterilizations or forced and coerced abortions or who've had their children stolen from them and they are suffering the after effects of that violence and that genocide and uh, on their bodies and on their families and on their identities as women and that's difficult and I think the only way we can truly appreciate where Indigenous women are right now in this regard is to start with all of these issues right where they are. Now I decided to do the question and answer section of this video a little bit different for this book. What I decided to do was pick one really important question from one of our subscribers and actually get the author Karen Stout to provide the answer. The author writes that racism begins with the need of one people to exploit another and the development of an ideology to justify this exploitation on page 14. When I read that part, I kind of felt like it suggests that racism is just a byproduct of capitalism as opposed to being a distinct form of oppression which needs to be challenged as such. Thank you for that question, and like I said, Karen was kind enough to provide a really detailed response. I'm only going to read a small section of her answer, but what I'll do is I'll put the whole answer in the description box for those of you who want to read her full explanation. Thanks again, Karen, for putting so much effort into contributing to this Reconciliation Book Club. So Karen says, Great question. In response to that question asked, I would definitely say I'm arguing that racism as an ideology and practice arises from relations of exploitation. There's a material basis which makes racism intelligible that explains why it arises and becomes institutionalized or systemic in the first place. Karen also goes on to say that racism is part and parcel of the social relations under which we live. It serves a purpose. It reinforces relations of exploitation. That's the whole point. Under capitalism, a system based on assertions of private ownership of lands and resources, and which seeks to maximize profits for some, and reduce costs by stealing land, denying people their rights, exploiting labor. The coerced sterilization of Indigenous women is cost-effective in that it represents a way of intervening in poverty by limiting the reproduction of those who are poor, rather than addressing the social relations that cause the poverty or dispossession in the first place. As Art Manual has pointed out so clearly, Poverty for Indigenous peoples is connected to colonialism, land theft, a failure to respect treaties, and it's also cost-effective in that it reduces the number of Indigenous peoples over time, the original inhabitants of these lands that we call Canada. 
and when the Canadian political economy, capitalism, is based on the theft of those lands and resources, that's not inconsequential. In other words, Karen argues, this is why capitalism and its racist manifestations need to be challenged together. It's not enough and some would say not completely possible to rid Canada of systemic racism without also challenging the system that gave rise to it in the first place. The Reconciliation Book Club members and myself thank you for providing such a detailed answer to that question. And thank you all for participating in another Reconciliation Book Club session. So the question of the day What's going to be the next book that I do for this book club? Well, in fact, it's going to be this book. It's called 500 Years of Indigenous Resistance, and it's by Gord Hill. As you can see, it's a very thin book. I think it retails for $10 uh, online. You can get it through Amazon uh, online, or you can get it from Fernwood. Thank you all for tuning in to the Warrior Life podcast, and don't forget to tune in next week for the next Reconciliation Book Club episode. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. We'll all live. <laughs>